podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, a show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you listen to. And Courtney, joining me on this episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, I mean, I could sum up what we've just seen in probably a sentence and the sentence I'm going to go with is the championship is well and truly back on again um, after Lewis Hamilton very very controversial circumstances that we will be discussing in a moment winning the British Grand Prix a record eighth time putting him level with Ayrton Senna and Michael Schumacher on the all-time list of race winners at one specific circuit and his 99th win in Formula One finally breaking that five race duck without a Grand Prix victory but Courtney, you know, let's get into this. First of all, how are you doing after that race? And, you know, can you sum up the excitement and the emotion and everything that the F1 world must be feeling after that result for Lewis Hamilton today? The championship is, it seems like it is back on. I mean, pace-wise, we're still yet to see how far these upgrades are taking Mercedes. But we're going to be getting drama on and off track. This is what the fans have been hoping for. But I would just like to say it's good to see that Max Verstappen is in a stable condition. That That's what comes before everything else. I'm pleased that he's OK. But as a Lewis fan, I'm obviously pleased that he's able to claw back. And also, for F1 fans in general, the championship looked dead. I was, I was only looking at Ferrari and McLaren. That was the main battle I was looking at as an F1 fan. But fingers crossed, this could be the start of a proper championship battle. But we're all sort of, you know, mouthwatering over at the beginning of the season that we thought we were robbed of. So, yes, the incident is controversial, but for the fans in general, it's brought the championship back to life. And I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. And of course, you're absolutely right to point out, Courtney, as a lot of Red Bull and Max Verstappen fans will definitely be revelling after what they saw today. And of course, as the sprint race suggested. And of course, F1 had this first sprint race and we're not going to get into that today. In light of what we've seen in this weekend's Grand Prix, I think we should put that aside and discuss that in a bit more depth on Thursday with a very special guest lined up for that one. I can guarantee that much. But of course, just as a side note, guys, for those of you listening to this podcast, if you can hear some children enjoying themselves uh, in a paddling pool outside in my neighbor's garden, then yes, you'd be right. That is exactly what they're doing. Um, so I can't do much about that, unfortunately. I, I was going to, uh, I was going to, basically, before we went on air, I said to Adam, you should just pretend it's some cockatiels. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just say um, some are enjoying the British summer better than others, certainly sweltering <laughs> in their studio slash bedroom, um, recording a podcast rather than out, being outside in a pool enjoying themselves. So no, fair play to them. But yeah, if you can hear that in the background, I do apologise, guys. But uh, yes, absolutely. We should not forget that first and foremost, Max Verstappen is OK. Uh, he was rushed to hospital and it, and it was a very, very shocking incident. Um, but fortunately, he seems OK physically and that perhaps he was just shook up. And I'm sure he will go into this and analyse this in a bit more detail as his team will. And obviously, they will have to try and make sure that they can recover after what has been an absolutely phenomenal run for them over the last five Grand Prix, which sadly for them ended today. Um, but as you pointed out, Courtney, the F1 World Championship was certainly the biggest winner of them all today, with Lewis Hamilton getting a vital win this season um, after what has seemed to be a period of dominance that we just weren't sure Mercedes and Hamilton, even them could recover from. Um, before we get into the details of obviously how this race unfolded, Courtney, we talked a, a, for a few weeks now about when the critical point of no return will be for Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton to turn this championship around in order to stay in it rather than let alone winning it. Um, do you feel that today proved to be the catalyst for them to try and turn this championship around? And if so, 
did it have to happen today? Well, it's certainly a golden opportunity for Mercedes because, you know, we've, we've spoken about the Drivers' Championship. If you obviously think Valtteri ended up third and uh, Perez didn't points at all, did he? No, all he did was take the fastest so, step away. So Mercedes are now closed right in on Red Bull. So overall, it's a great day for Mercedes. I'm just got very good. I'm going to be very curious to see where Red Bull and Mercedes are in terms of how competitive they are with each other when it comes to Hungary. That's going to be vital. But we did get the feeling that if Max had dominated this race, then it would have been very difficult for Mercedes to come back. So the circumstances weren't ideal, but this has definitely been a golden challenge for Mercedes. And again, it's it's given us a reason to be hyped about this championship again, even if it's just for two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, we have our preferences over drivers and teams in, in Formula One. Everybody does. Even journalists have their preferences. I know they're obliged to say that they don't and that they don't care who wins the championship. But deep down, we're all fans. We all have our favourites. That's why we get into the sport. That's why we love it so much. Um, but I think what we can agree on is that no matter who wins this championship, we want it to go, if if we can, to the last corner of the last lap of the last race between Hamilton and Verstappen and Red Bull and Mercedes. That's what I think we'd all agree would be fantastic to see. Not sure if we're going to get that, but based on what we saw today, I think there is some hope that this is not going to be completely dominated by one team, or at least um, it, it's a delay to then that inevitability, or at least put some doubt towards it. But let's hope for that much at, at the very least. Um, you know, so as I said already, um, the championship now down to eight points. Lewis Hamilton with a huge win today, getting that championship lead down to eight points. Uh, Verstappen, of course, winning the sprint race, um, which technically isn't supposed to be called a race, but in truth, based on what we saw, it was most certainly a race. Uh, managed to pick up a few points early on. Um, so, so, yeah, Courtney, you're right. It's hard to determine the upgrades that Mercedes put onto their car, how much of a difference they made. After all, we're talking about a circuit where Mercedes six of the last seven occasions have completely dominated, the exception being, of course, Max Verstappen winning the 70th anniversary Grand Prix, not necessarily the British Grand Prix last season. So this was always going to be a circuit, upgrades or no upgrades, that Mercedes would fancy their chances to be in the hunt for a race victory, not necessarily winning it, um, which they did today, but of course, certainly weren't going to be dominated um, in the way that Red Bull and Verstappen had done to them over the last four or five Grand Prix. Um, but let's get into the actual action itself, guys. First lap, Hamilton got a poor start um, of the original getaway, but unlike the sprint race, he managed to get that second phase just right. No wheel spin to put him alongside Max Verstappen. And the two of them were fighting tooth and nail for the first few corners. Of course, when they went through farm and then over to the Wellington straight, Hamilton was all over the back of Max Verstappen trying to overtake him for the lead to the point where it took them into Luffield, into Woodcote, to the point where they're side by side going into Cops Corner, Hamilton getting ahead of Verstappen briefly, then Max Verstappen just ahead of Lewis Hamilton under braking, both of them going to Cops Corner. And then what seemed inevitable all throughout this season happened. The two of them made contact. Max Verstappen goes flying into the barrier, into the tire wall, out of the Grand Prix. Fortunately, he was okay other than being shooken up. Lewis Hamilton able to continue with a little bit of damage, but of course, under the red flag that followed, he was able to uh, have that repaired as best as he can and have a tyre change and everything else and was able to continue on. But that incident right there, Courtney, um, we were texting back and forth when it happened and you pretty much said to me, this was a long time coming this season. Max and Lewis had plenty of close encounters. Of course, we had Bahrain at the start of the season. Uh, we had turn one at Imola. We had the Spanish Grand Prix turn one as well. It just seemed at some point those two were not going to be able to avoid hitting each other. And so it happened. Um, first thing I've got to ask you, Courtney, how did you see this incident go down? I think the, uh, the penalty was the correct penalty. Um, because it was a first lap incident, it was obviously, it was obviously an horrific, you know, crash. You know, it's it good that I'm so far with safety because it could have been a different story if it wasn't for the safety parameters have been put in place in the last 20, 30 years. But it has been a long time coming. Um, I feel that Lewis has let Max get away with it on a few times where Max has got his elbows out. 
And Lewis had to make this statement today. Again, it's I'm pleased that Max is fine and you don't want to be seeing crashes like that. But in terms of the mental battle that these guys have, because let's be honest, nine times out of ten, these are going to be the first and second drivers at the start of the race. So they're going to be having these jewels pretty much racing, race out. So Lewis had to make this statement that, you know what, Max, I'm not going to let you get away with this. Next time they, they come together or they have a duel, Max will double think next time before he gets his elbows out because he knows what happened in Silverstone. So Lewis did have to, in terms of where Red Bull Mercedes are on pace, the, fight, the first lap could well be vital. So Lewis had to show, show Max on a mental level that he's not going to be... It's not, it's not going to be easy for him to get this championship if it comes down to first laps alone. No, and that's a really good point, Courtney. Uh, and I'm glad you pointed out, um, you know, the, the occurrences in the other few races that these two have been very close to coming together in that Lewis Hamilton has always seemed to be up to this point a little haphazard to try and mm. put his car in a position where... Um, it is at risk of getting hit or at the very least has to take evasive action to avoid a collision between the two of them where Max is being aggressive as Max is. Now, of course, this season, I think we've seen a side of Max Verstappen where he's been aggressive as he always has been, but it's been so much more controlled to a degree where he's not always putting the other driver at risk. Now, I know I say that as a way of trying to um, defend Max when he's been a bit overzealous with um, certain moves in the past, in past seasons when he was learning his trait. I, I vividly remember the one with Roman Grosjean where he went into the back of him at Monaco in 2015 in his first season, which seems such a long time ago yeah. with Max Verstappen. Yeah. It's amazing he's still only 23 years of age, but uh, it feels like he's been around forever. But, um, you know, when you sort of weigh that up, I feel you feel that Max Verstappen has been able to iron out those moments where it's been yeah. um, crazy or putting everybody at risk when he's been able to control his aggression with those manoeuvres. And more often than not, when he makes them, they do come off. Um, you know, Senna had that ability to a degree, although I'd argue Senna was a bit more wilder perhaps than what we're seeing in Max Schumacher was the same. Alonso in his mm -hmm. prime was like that. Luis Even, was to start with. Well, this was yeah. it. And, um, we talked about the Spanish Grand Prix and we said that Max seemed to be driving like a 2008 or 2012 Lewis Hamilton, whereas Lewis was obviously much more experienced now and racing against a younger version of himself, if you like. So, um, you know, you saw that when you weigh it all up. Um, but when it comes to this incident, um, it definitely felt like a pivotal moment where Lewis was prepared, not necessarily to put his car on the line, but it was at this point he probably said to himself, look, after what happened in the sprint race yesterday where Max managed to get the jump on him at the start, you probably thought, if I'm going to win this race, I have to get Max early and I have to be prepared to take that risk. And it most certainly showed that Lewis did take that risk. Unfortunately for Max, it did come where he his car paid the ultimate price and he lost out much bigger than Lewis Hamilton did. Um, and Lewis was able to recover it brilliantly. Um, I, I, it's hard because a lot of people... And a lot of people are going to be split on the decision of this. Oh, the uh, comment section is going to be interesting for this one. Well, I mean, <laughs> we talked about the Austrian Grand Prix and, and I was going to ask you, Courtney, I mean, you're kind of of the opinion that you agree the penalty was fair. The 10 second time penalty, yeah. which Martin Brundle on commentary at Sky F1 pointed out was the second most lenient penalty mm. that they could have given. Um, do you think that was fair or do you feel that perhaps there were grounds perhaps they could have given him a drive-through penalty perhaps would have been more sufficient given the fact that it was quite dangerous it was at high speed and it caused another driver to retire from the race well we've discussed this before and i've always been of the opinion that penalties should be like um should be more lenient on the first lap because that's when you get some of the best racing so I, I've, I've been consistent here i'm not just saying it's because i was a Lewis fan i said it when it comes to the perez uh Norris incident as well in a previous episode but yeah I just I just think in terms of the racing spectacle I think if you've just given like you have to obviously punish the drivers if they've been they've done the wrong thing but I do think the spectacle itself has to be considered because if you just given Lewis you know he had to serve the penalty after three four laps after the red flag then Lewis would have been right at the back and we would have been robbed of the race that we ended up getting I just think sometimes it's worth considering, but I will, I will have to note that Red Bull are furious, and for various reasons. Obviously, because you know, obviously Max went out and it's cost them points. 
he could have got injured. And also, let's not forget what we saw with uh, Valtteri Bottas in Imola, how much money that that cost Mercedes in the season where there's a big budget cap. There's a lot of damage to that Red Bull. So the Red Bull team are absolutely furious right now. Yeah, and, and I'm not surprised. I think mm. if I was embedded in the Red Bull camp, I'd probably be as frustrated and angry yeah. as they are over this. I mean, Dr. Helmut Marco even went as far as saying that Lewis Hamilton should have received the race suspension for this incident. Probably a bit harsh, given certain incidents. I can understand... I mean, the thing for me is, like, it's such a high-speed crash at Cops Corner. It's one of the fastest corners in the world. Um, and we've seen two cars can make that corner. And I think what was key in this incident as to why it wasn't a racing incident for me, um, and I know a lot of people probably feel that way, but I certainly think Hamilton was at fault in this incident, was because Max did give Lewis enough room. To a point, he even went a bit wider on the entry. And... He did to compensate for Hamilton, make going for the corner, which Hamilton did. Um, he also didn't swipe Hamilton on the inside. And on the original um, footage, it looked like that's what happened. When you're looking at it from the perspective of a fan watching Cops Corner when the cars are coming towards you, it certainly looked like Max had swiped him. But on the replays, you could see clearly um, that Lewis did go for it. He took a gamble that Max was going to bottle out of it, um, which... 50-50 in that moment, as quick as they're going, you don't have any time to make that decision. So you've got to just go in there prepared to do that. Unfortunately for Lewis and for Max in this case, it, you know, Max kept it in there and was very unlucky not to make the corner uh, under circumstances. I don't think yeah. a race suspension is necessary. No, of course it's mm. over the top. But I think another thing worth noting, I think maybe, like, maybe stewards do put this in consideration or maybe they should more often. That incident was the culmination of various previous incidents at the beginning of the first lap where Max was weaving a lot. And yet, you know, we discussed this in, um, in person that he was getting a lot of that throughout the, throughout the weekend with other drivers. So it wasn't only Max doing it, but there was a little bit of naughtiness going on between the two of them. And I just think it reached boiling point. When we, it, it happened yesterday. It happened in the sprint race as well. Mm. So this is, this is, this is basically, a, this is a boiling pot, an inevitable... Um, obviously boiling at the pot and I think that needs to be considered when it comes to giving a penalty and I think that's why the penalty he was given was appropriate but obviously anybody who supports Max Verstappen on a red ball are going to fight otherwise if, if that had happened to Lewis and Mercedes I would have been furious I'm not going to sit here and just like go oh you know and just be a typical biased fan I understand the other perspective but I think at the same time, we just need to think about how the punishments could affect the race itself. Obviously, the teams aren't going to care about that. But as fans, you do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And given that I, as a fan of this sport, don't have my foot in either camp, I'd like to think I can offer an unbiased perspective on this. Um, but no, I agree. I, I think Hamilton was at fault in that incident. He went, for, he took a gamble and it didn't pay off. Uh, well, not necessarily in the short term. Um, but... You know, it was going to happen eventually. These two were going to have a moment where contact was going to be made and it was going to affect one of the drivers. I mean, Christian Horner was very angry at this. No surprise. He was saying that... Given... Well, he's, he's a winch bag anyway. <laughs> well, he always does like to uh, add fuel to the fire, but I think he went yeah. some, somewhere along the lines. He was saying that, um, you know, Lewis is a seven-time world champion, has won as much as he has, knows that this is the far one of the fastest corners in the world. He should know that... You're never going to be able to put your car in that position and come out of it uh, without it getting clipped or something like that. As I said, very angry at the time, totally understandable. I, I feel like the right penalty was given. You, there could have been grounds for a drive through, but that would have been a big, big push even then. Um, it's certainly not Michael Massey's decision. I think we need to get this clear, guys. Like They said it on the broadcast as well at Sky F1, but... Um, they were saying that a lot of people getting angry at Michael Massey or quite saying that Michael Massey's got his hands full. He doesn't make the decisions on who gets penalties or what. Those those decisions are made by the stewards who are very experienced at what they do. So I know there's a lot of chatter on the radios that teams are saying to Michael Massey, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's like, well, what can he do? He's not the one making the decisions. He directs no the way, race. Adam. It's true, though. It's true. Did you know, do you know the noises that we can hear in the background? Oh, you can still that, hear them. That was... Oh. 
I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that guys. was that. That was the uh, that was that was the Red Bull camp trying to talk to uh, Michael Massey. <laughs> well, given how angry, <laughs> so, <laughs> given given how angry and frustrated they probably are right now, Courtney, I wouldn't be surprised if that was them all the way from Silverstone. By the way, guys, anyone who went out there, absolutely jealous of you guys because yeah, it looked like an it looked like a music festival rather than a Formula One weekend. And the weather was fantastic. I mean, it's really hot right now in the UK, like 30 degrees in the sun. Beautiful summer weather. Um, and you know what? I really wish I was out there with you guys. I think next season, Courtney, if we if things are a bit better, we, I know we're on the Freedom Day, if you like, or whatever you want. Um, uh, yeah. And whatever this country does with COVID after that, we'll just have to wait and see. But hopefully things will be a lot better next year than they will be this one. We definitely have to go out there and maybe record a podcast live if we can out in the fields. I know uh, the guys at WTF1 did something similar last night, so we'll definitely have to try our hand next season if we can. Um, but of course, um, any of you did go to Silverstone and let us know in the comments. Let us know what the experience is like, what you did, and uh, if you'd ref- definitely recommend it. I mean, even if you said it weren't great, I'm still going to probably want to go. Um, but yeah, I, we that incident, as I said, it, it did set a precedent, I think, for the rest of the race, because I think a lot of the drivers behind were told what was going to be expected of them at the restart. Because we had the red flag, obviously, to recover Verstappen's car, which took some time. Obviously, everyone had to come into the pits. We had another standing start. But it kind of introduced a a new race to us because all of a sudden in the aftermath of the collision between Hamilton and Verstappen, a new hero of the British Grand Prix emerged in Charles Leclerc at Ferrari. You love saying that, didn't you? I do. I I would love it even more (laughs) if you'd have won. But um, no. And the thing the thing about this race it's like you can really tell it in two stories obviously the crash that we've just talked about and gone into and of course guys let us know what you think if you thought it was Hamilton's fault or a racing incident or do you think the penalty was right or it should have been more harsh or less let us know um but you know it, it, it the second race that we saw after the restart obviously we're going to go into that bit in just a moment um but I'm going to be honest with you Courtney I think the way the race unfolded when I saw Charles Leclerc in the lead on pole position, if you like. Um, it was very surprising, but in the way I would never have anticipated the race to pan out the way it did. Um, but look, th- let's talk about quickly the championship now. Obviously, Max Verstappen, very shaken up by that incident. Hopefully, he's going to be okay. I imagine he probably will be after a little while. Um, with the Hungarian Grand Prix coming up, it's a huge weekend for both teams now. The championship is very much on. Mercedes now eight points behind, sorry, Hamilton. Can hear some background noise on your end as well, yeah. Um, someone revving their motorcycle there. a little bit. Um, but yeah, Hamilton now eight points behind Max Verstappen. Um, and then of course, Red Bull likewise are, I believe it's only four points ahead of Mercedes, yeah, in the constructors. Mm. Um, huge momentum after Red Bull's domination over the last five races, it's now been completely wiped yeah. away in one another go. Another thing, of, yeah, another thing I'd like to note actually when it comes to the constructors. I've been very quick to uh, criticise Valtteri Bottas previously, but I've sensed a shift in the second driver battle. I think Valtteri Bottas has actually actually gained the momentum over Perez when it comes to the second driver. It's actually been Max has been mopping up the majority of the points recently. Valtteri's certainly taken a step forward. Uh, I made my feelings clear about George Russell joining next season, but you've got to give Valtteri credit where credit's due. He's definitely up to his game in recent races. Yeah, and that's true. We didn't get an announcement on that with George Russell. I think a lot of us were expecting it, maybe. Um, of course, seeing the 2022 car and everything else, which certainly uh, caught the eye of a lot of people with its livery more than the actual look of the car. Um, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, but yeah, a lot of pressure on Valtteri Bottas' shoulders. We still don't know who it's going to be next season. We might believe it's probably going to be George Russell. Um, but Valtteri at this point in time, seems to give off this vibe that he's still going to be at Mercedes for some time. And you're right, Courtney. I think, you know, looking at Perez and Bottas this weekend, Sergio Perez showing some good stuff in sprint quality. He was quick. Um, the race, he obviously got bogged down a bit and had that mistake, which caused him to start at the back. Um, but again, we, we've seen that Valtteri is very much a safer bet in this number two driver's race, whereas Perez seems to have a bit of a higher ceiling when he's peaking. But likewise, the lack of consistency means that he could have a great weekend like he did at Baku or he could have a weekend like he had this one where not only was he completely nowhere in the race, but Red Bull put him on a brain dead strategy 
where they stopped him early, despite looking like he was going to be on the one stopper to try and clear Raikkonen when he was stuck behind him. And then it just didn't completely work at all. And then he ended up battling Raikkonen at the end of the race. And the best Perez could do was take a point off of Lewis off of, for fastest lap. So it's a very strange one. A very bad day for Red Bull for a lot of reasons, not necessarily always their own doing, but didn't really able, they weren't really able to mitigate the damage that Mercedes uh, paid to them this weekend. Yeah, I've I've just, that's another thing we discussed actually before we come on air. It seems that Red Bull was so frustrated about what happened at the beginning of the race that Sergio, it's like Sergio Perez's race was a representation of how the team were feeling. Very mm. all over the place. Very emo- a lot of a lot of emotive driving. It's but it's a bad weekend. Um, I do I still think they have a slight pace advantage. I hope I'm wrong, but I think Red Bull will, will probably still be sort of quietly confident about the rest of the season. So it's not the end of the world for them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to get an indicator over um, how these two cars now that they seem to be fully upgraded and optimized how they're going to stack up against each other until after the summer break we've got the hungarian grand prix coming up in two weeks time then i think we go off to the summer break for a few weeks and after spa. that and then spa so i think it's going to be those races where we may see who has uh, the best machinery or where what the margin is between the two going into those races uh, i think we can agree that Red Bull certainly will fancy their chances at Hungary. It's a car that tends to be better in the corners than the Mercedes. So it could be a race for Max Verstappen to kind of redeem himself and get that win before the summer break, which I'm sure will pay him a lot of confidence as big as the weekend this was for Mercedes. It definitely was a case of do or die. And they, they are able to keep fighting on. Um, Let's move on to Ferrari. I'm just being conscious of time on this podcast. Yeah. Um, but let us know what you thought of all of that between Verstappen and Hamilton guys, and obviously what you thought of what happened after. Um, Let's talk about Ferrari, though. Obviously, this has been overall, I think you've got to look at it as a very good day for Ferrari. A really good weekend. Um, This was a track. I think a lot of question marks were going to be raised with Ferrari because it's kind of hit and miss at Silverstone. Ferrari are either there or they're not. And it's really hard to gauge where their actual pace is. That being said, this was a circuit where I think a lot of us, myself included, didn't really have much hope for them. I thought McLaren were going to completely dominate them and that Ferrari would struggle. That being said, we didn't consider Charles Leclerc into this equation. And I've got to say, Courtney, I know people are going to be reveling over Lewis Hamilton's win and in the manner in which he did it and recover it. But, you know, kudos to Charles Leclerc. Once again, for those of you that had doubts over whether this guy really is the real deal, he proved beyond any shadow of a doubt that he is definitely going to be a factor if Ferrari can give him a car to match his incredible latent ability. And, mm-hmm. you know, Hamilton fans, forgive me for saying this, but I've got to say the best driver did not win today. Um, I mean, what did you make of Charles Leclerc's performance today, Courtney? Um, well, you beat me to it with regards to um, Charles Leclerc's ability because he's definitely put himself back in the focus. You're right. All Ferrari needs is a half-decent car and he'll be up there. Because previously, we've, we've seen him put in some great qualified performances. We've seen him do it, but unfortunately, Ferrari fall back so dramatically in the races that it almost goes forgotten. So today was a really good opportunity for him to showcase what he can do. And it's encouraging going into the future because I'm slightly concerned that Max, we could be seeing another another era. So we had Schumacher, Vettel, Lewis, and I'm slightly fearful that we could be seeing a Verstappen era where he's constantly dominating. I'm hoping that with these regulation changes and having the likes of Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, George Russell, some of these younger drivers coming through, that we're actually going to see some good championship battles. Leclerc is definitely a multiple champion. He definitely has the potential to be a multiple world champion. And we've seen some exciting battles between him and Max. He has the ability to do it. He just needs to tie it up a little bit with his racecraft. He can be a little bit clumsy. That will come with experience. This guy is definitely capable of being... A multiple world champion, but did he? He definitely deserved driver of the day. Did he actually get it though? He, he did, didn't he? yeah, quite resoundingly. Yeah. Um, I mean, towards the end of the race, the graphic had Verstappen as second with 10%. So we all know why, <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I mean, that's either got to be fans defined just to say screw it, I'm voting for Max Verstappen just yeah. despite Hamilton, yeah. or Max Verstappen really is a shoe in for driver of the day everywhere it goes. I mean, do you remember when driver of the day was first a proper thing? Um, and Max Verstappen used to get it all the time. 
even in races when he was completely nowhere, he'd get driver. It was almost a meme. I think there was a really funny video that um, Into the Barrier, for those of you that don't know, look Into the Barrier and Max Verstappen Drive of the Day. It's a really funny video where, just like a parody, where he wins Drive of the Day everywhere, not just Formula One, but um, stock car racing, even a diving competition saying he won Diver of the Day. Some really silly stuff, but it is funny. Um, well, his fans yeah. are, I think the thing that, the thing I find really interesting is that his fans are, they are hardcore. I mean, we, we, we see it. But I think what I find interesting is that with Max, because he's the only Dutch driver, the whole entire Dutch fan base are going to get behind him. Whereas you see with British drivers, you've got Lewis, you've got George Russell, and also Lando Norris, though. Lando Norris is a superstar. He, I, I think he's already in a superstar category with a grand fan base. I, we, we saw a chant online for him. They were was, was singing his name last night. And he's, he's well known in with celebrities. He, for some reason, I see him talking to David Beckham a lot on Instagram. Yeah, I've noticed that. Very random, but he's very. But he's, he's he, Lando Norris. I I feel he, he's his fan base is growing massively, mm. and that's why you see that kind of. You don't see like the British fans voting for Lewis, and then the Dutch fans voting for Max because you've got British fans voting for Lando Norris. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. You see certain celebrities always find a way to be in the spotlight at certain moments. I mean, Beckham's Beckham's always everywhere. Like it, anything associated with England or Britain on a sporting perspective, it's like a big thing. At some point, you're going to find David Beckham in and amongst the crowd somewhere. Um, funny enough, someone that was here this weekend, Tom Cruise, um, famous actor, obviously no introduction required of him. But I'll tell you what, he must live a pretty great life, Tom Cruise, because, of course, the last couple of weeks he's obviously been busy working whatever it is he's doing. But he's had a lot of time of late to attend big sporting events. And last weekend he was at the um, I think last Sunday, um, his day basically was wake up, go to the Goodwood Festival on the Sunday, then go to the Wimbledon final to watch Novak Djokovic win there. And then later in the evening, he went to Wembley to watch the Euro final between England and Italy. He's lucky to go there. Jesus Christ. Well, it depends on who he was rooting for. I mean, I'd imagine yeah. he's probably unbiased, but um, mm. I'd like to think he was in the English camp. Not that it would have mattered anyway. Um, but yeah, and he was there yet again today in the paddock to, as a guest of Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes and was there to congratulate him at the end. I mean, on the subject of Lewis Hamilton, I mean, after that incredible performance um, recovery to win that race in the way he did, he looked absolutely out of breath. And it's really... The one thing I do love about Lewis Hamilton, um, whether you're a fan of him or not, is that a race like today, under the circumstances in this championship that he faced and what it means to him, the fact that the fans were back um, in their hundreds of thousands, the atmosphere was incredible, as good as I've ever seen at Silverstone. Um, it's really nice to see how much this means to someone like Lewis Hamilton, because he's the sort of guy that, He's very much on his social media channels that he comes across as a sort of person that almost as if he lives a different world to the rest of us. And it's hard to connect with someone like that. Not, not This isn't a dig. This is just the life Hamilton lives. He's very much in his own bubble. And that's absolutely fine. You know, everyone's entirely Very political as well. And that's yeah, but I, the, I think for good, for good, yeah, for exactly. good reasons. And I but think, that's what causes yeah. the, but that's what causes the difference in opinion, whether we agree with it or not. I think it's because where he's so political, some people love it. I'm, I'm all for it as well. Some people, but then some people are very sensitive. Anything to do with politics, people hmm. are very sensitive. And I think that's where you see some people love him and some people hate him for it. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and I always find it baffling on the political topic that so many people always put forward the silly comment to say, stick to what you know or stick to sport yeah. or stick to whatever. It's almost like, so... If that's the case, what do we do? Do you tell me to stick to my job and not weigh in on politics? Well, I work for the government, so I guess that's a I get a pass on that anyway. Um, in, and that's my day job for you. But um, but then there are some people that work in supermarkets or work as a doctor or policeman. Do you tell them to stay in their lane? No, of course not. So I don't see why Lewis Hamilton, given all of the good things that he does do, and I think as a role model and as a of a voice that has that influence that he does have. I think it's, it's absolutely critical. I mean, that, that he puts out that he, you know, he weighs in the way that he does. I mean, he released, um, published the Hamilton commission report on equality or the lack thereof in formula one. I read it and it was really eye opening of how, I mean, F1 is getting better. And there, obviously there are things that Hamilton is very much forefronted to help this, but it really was alarming how much of a lack of diversity there really was when you read through the report and the findings and, 
it is quite shocking. But of course, the good that will come from this is that they'll now be able to seek the right avenues and the right channels to try and improve diversity and equality, not just in F1, but obviously in other walks of life that can take inspiration from it. But as I said, that's just something I, I wanted to you know, mention on the subject of Lewis, how much this meant to him today. And obviously you could see that in his celebrations, driving with a British flag, running, almost running into the crowd, obviously wanted to crowd surf. Um, I remember your sister Chantelle was, uh, had a good story about that. She was there yeah. when Lewis was crowd surfing a few years ago. And of course, I'm sure Lewis would have fancied doing that again. But of course, COVID restrictions having to hold him back this time. Um, but let's get back to Ferrari. Of course, we've got a bit off topic. Um, I mean, Ferrari was so good in the opening stint. This is the bit that surprised me the most, Courtney, because I thought Ferrari were going to struggle based on their tyre management and how much they've struggled, particularly with the front tyres um, in Paul Ricard, as we saw their drop-off was unbelievable, yeah. given how quick that car is on one lap pace. And But since then, in the two Austrian races, they've been very quick. You could argue probably only Lando Norris um, and the Red Bulls and Mercedes were faster. Um, and at Silverstone, on pace, you would have to say in Leclerc's hands how impressive he was to the point where only Lewis Hamilton in a Mercedes was good enough to beat him. Maybe, I mean, maybe Max Verstappen and Red Bull as well, but that's got to say something about how far Ferrari have come in such a short time. And even Carlos Sainz looked very quick as well this weekend. Well, it's another sign as to, you know, I've, I've stated this earlier on in the season. I think Ferrari fans have a lot to look forward to next season because if this, if these are the type of games they're making this season, which is a, it's a little bit of a stopgap season, let's be honest, most of the team's minds are on next season. So if Ferrari making this kind of progress this season, it bodes well for next season. I think with the driver pairing that they have, I'm a big, big, big fan of not only Charles Leclerc, but also Carlos Sainz. And I, I just think that battle just... I just think it's a really exciting battle because even Danny Ricardo had a great weekend. He's he's there in the mix as well. And I I I have slight doubts about the championship at the very front going all the way to the end. But I think the most exciting battle we're going to see this season will continue to be between McLaren and Ferrari, particularly if Danny Ricardo carries on performing the way he did today. Yeah, no, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with you on that one. And um the big disappointment for Ferrari today, not necessarily not winning the race, although they'll probably will be disappointed given how close Leclerc was and would have been a deserving winner on merit. He was absolutely fantastic today, completely faultless. The only reason you'd say he didn't win today was because he was caught by Lewis Hamilton in a Mercedes. And that, that that's what it comes down to. Uh, Lewis driving at his absolute best, you know, that, that and in front of the British crowd at home, given what's on the line, Anywhere else in the world, championship may be already in the bag or nowhere near it. Perhaps Lewis would not have fancied it, but that's those are the fine margins of Formula One, unfortunately. And uh, when you've got someone as good as Lewis Hamilton, you always have a chance in any circumstance like that. Um, but as I said, the only downside for Ferrari will be Carlos Sainz, despite his incredible pace early on, scything his way through that midfield to, from 10th all the way up into sixth place, just couldn't get past Danny Ricciardo in the McLaren, who did an incredible job today. Um, Despite the fact McLaren were really struggling on the harder tyres in the latter stints of the race, he managed to hold Ricardo back. Norris, of course, consolidating a very strong performance as well, finishing in fourth place. Uh, it's got to be said, Courtney, this battle between McLaren and Ferrari, I'm glad that Ferrari have had a very strong weekend at a track where I thought McLaren would do well. Yeah. We're going to go to Hungary now, where Ferrari could fancy themselves there, um, as it will be a track that will suit their car in the way that it did at Monaco and Azerbaijan. Um how do you see the rest of this battle going, Courtney? Because it seems to be swinging roundabouts between the two of them. And after a performance like today, Charles Leclerc could end up being the decisive factor towards the end of the season in the way that Lando Norris has been so crucial for McLaren um, this season. I mean, this is by far Leclerc's yeah, most I'm impressive gonna, performance against the I'm going to uh, I'm going to put a question out there, actually. I was thinking as you were talking. If Mercedes and Red Bull... Let's just say you go into a race where both Mercedes and Red Bull have a mare, all, all their cars are either out of the race or completely out of position. Who's your money on to win a race this season first? Charles Leclerc or Lando Norris? I think before today, I would have said Lando Norris without a doubt. And I still feel that that's probably the favourite. But um, all things considered, I mean, let's not forget Leclerc had to manage engine issues. He was complaining yeah, the engine yeah. kept cutting very out. True. That could have played a factor against Lewis Hamilton as well this weekend. Obviously, we'll never know. Um, 
but uh, it's so hard. And I think when you get them at their absolute best, it's hard to look past Charles Leclerc. That all four drivers, him, Norris, Ricardo, and Sainz, are top-level drivers in two of the best teams in the sports history and right now, of course. So it's an exciting prospect which one would win out of the two of them. If I, if I had to say, I'd probably back Leclerc, but there's probably a bit of Ferrari bias that would probably say that. But you've got to say Lando Norris has really raised his game to such a degree that he's been incredible. Even on a day like today, when he was completely outclassed by the three drivers that finished ahead of him, he still finished P4 quite yeah. comfortably. And you can't take much away from that, really. That's kind of as good a result McLaren were hoping for. Maybe he could have got a podium, but... I don't think they'll be complaining one bit about the way the race panned out for them, especially when one of the Ferraris still finished behind both their guys. Well, I think I think all four of them deserve credit, though. I, I actually, I'd actually say that the four drivers in that battle were probably the four best drivers on the day. Incredible performances from all four of them. Because let's not forget, Carlos Sainz had a bad pit as well. Yeah, he did. All and, four of them, hmm. absolutely, all four of them were exceptional today. Yeah, and that and that is a good point, Corny. I was going to bring that up, but um, you know, Carlos Sainz struggling to pass Ricardo. He'll probably look back and say, "Well, if Ferrari had not made that mistake in the pit stops, he would have been ahead of Ricardo coming out of the pit." So we, we'll never know, and maybe he might have had better luck chasing down Norris. We'll never ever know. But um, as I said, it's these fine margins that could dictate where this uh, best of the rest is going to go. But it's certainly going to be these two who have completely cleared the rest of the field behind them there's a massive gulf now as some races you can see um that they're not too far apart but most circuits we see this season mclaren and ferrari are in a complete class of their own and it's amazing that they can at the very least um put the doubt in the mind of the mclaren uh, the mercedes and the red bull teams to the point where one of them nearly won today um lando norris might have had a crack at um second place in austria and, and in monaco and baku as well so it's great to see that those two are able to put um, to really cause problems for the lead teams. Yeah, I think I have mixed feelings on it. I think it, it's it's great in one sense, but I think at the same time, I think it does show how much Mercedes have been pent back by these regulation changes this season. It, it does show. It does. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But I think a lot of people will be saying, "Oh, well, it's a conspiracy." But let's be honest, it's a, it's all been a good thing. I think it needed to happen. Yeah, um, at some point, yeah. even if the intention wasn't to, even if the intention was to peg Mercedes back, which, you know, would be nice, but it's not the first time it's happened in F1 and it certainly won't be the last, mm. you know, that that's how F1 goes. You don't want one team dominating for longer than you can afford. Um, but as I said, really bodes well, great weekend for both teams for different reasons. Um, Hart goes out to Charles Leclerc. He'll be very disappointed not to get that win. Um, it was 70 years this weekend, actually, to the, anniversary of Ferrari's first ever win in Formula One at the British Grand Prix in 1951, Jose Pepe, uh, Pepe Gonzalez winning there. Um, they won on the 60th anniversary, I believe it was, when Fernando Alonso won for Ferrari, I believe, in 2011. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it was the omens were there. It's just, unfortunately, Charles was not able to keep Lewis behind for another couple of laps, but never mind. Anyway, let's move on. Um, let's talk about the, uh, the the best of the best of the rest, if you like. Um, I think I said that right. Obviously, Alpine, Aston Martin, AlphaTauri. On the last episode of the podcast, Courtney, when we previewed this, we felt AlphaTauri were going to have a strong weekend. Um, 10th and 11th, probably as good as they could have hoped for. But I do want to put a shout out to the three stars for each team, respectively, uh, who finished 8th, 9th and 10th in that order. And that was Lance Stroll, Esteban Ocon for Alpine and Yuki Tsunoda for AlphaTauri. When you look at the whole season between Alpine, Aston Martin and AlphaTauri and size them all up and see how they've gone, those are the three drivers you wouldn't exactly put at the front of the list to say who you should be praising. Yet those three, to the um, detriment, well, except for Alonso, of course, who finished in P7, um, but they all did a pretty good job today. Yeah, I think oh, Alpine Alpine were, um, were impressive. Um Sebastian Vettel had a weird moment though, didn't he? When he's when he just randomly spun, he's like that was like a Ferrari flashback for him there. But, um, yeah, Spinala. didn't he have a technical? Yeah, yeah, he had a technical problem in the end, didn't he, Sebastian Vettel? Yeah, they had to retire the car. But then sometimes yeah. when teams when teams say that, I always feel like Seb was completely nowhere. I think he was running like mm. 16th at the time, and they just wanted to retire the car. I think sometimes because you can make changes, it's like the sprint race when Perez retired the car so they could make changes to the rear wing. And you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So 
Uh, it was a bad day for Seb. Had his sp- another Spinala moment. I thought those had kind of gone. But it seems when Seb's in close combat with drivers in certain circumstances like that, he does tend to make that mistake more often than not. Um, we saw it countless times against Verstappen, Ricardo, and Hamilton. Today, uh, it was against Fernando Alonso, who went round the outside of him at Luffield. Um, and Alonso, of course, P7, did a much better job going around the outside of Vettel at Luffield than he did in the warm-up of the race. I don't know if you saw the replay, Courtney. He uh, had a bit yeah. of a Spinala moment himself before the race started, yeah. didn't he? Like he's really, he's, he's really, I'm surprised by how well he's done since he's come back. He had such a slow start and I was worried. Mm. But he's loving it, isn't it? He's, he's, love, he's loving his return to Formula One. He's loving being a part of, obviously, because he has a lot of fond memories in that team, obviously, with Formula Renault. And he just seems to be a man who's in a really good place at the moment. And it was, it was nice. It, even though it was like a brief uh, battle they had, it was nice seeing Sebastian Vettel up against um, Fernando Alonso again. Because we've seen a lot of great battles between them in the past. Yeah, no, it was really nice to see a bit of a nostalgia moment. You almost want to chuck Kimi Räikkönen in there just for the sake of it. Um, but he has been a part of that a few times this season already in the Alfa Romeo, and uh, he was certainly up there again today. But um, yeah, Alonso's done a good job. Um, it's funny, we we talked a lot this season early on that we were expecting Fernando to raise his game to such a level where the old Fernando was back in some degree. And to be fair to him, he is doing a great job. I mean, the sprint race, he was phenomenal off the start in the sprint race. And he really was one of the stars of it. And yet again today, best of the best of the rest in P7, doing a good job for Alpine, slowly climbing the order in the Constructors' Championship Alpine. I know we were saying before, Alpha Tauri and Aston Martin had their podiums at Baku, which really set them away. But uh, Alpine now only eight and nine points behind those two respectively. So they're certainly back in the hunt. And if Fernando keeps scoring points the way that he is, it won't be long before they overhaul them. Um, but on the t- subject of Alpha Tauri, of course, Sonoda had a good day finishing P10. I think any points for Sonoda is always a good result for him. Uh, kept his nose clean, stayed out of trouble, did a good job despite a low grid position. Um, one of the only free drivers, actually, that started the main race in the same position they started the sprint race. And the other two were, um, well, sorry, one, I should say. Uh, the other two, sorry, two, definitely two, uh, were Valtteri Bottas and Charles Leclerc in third and fourth. So no, good job for Sonoda. Um, Gasly... Probably had a difficult weekend. Uh, P11 is not exactly a bad result for Alpha Tauri, but um, Gasly said he was struggling a lot with the handling of the car. Yeah. He felt it was a bit skittish and that he couldn't really control it. And he, I know sometimes F1 drivers can be exaggerating a little bit, but he definitely he did say it was a bit like a battle for survival out there. Um, so, you know, under the circumstances, I don't think he'll be too worried. And hopefully he'll have better luck in the Hungarian Grand Prix in two weeks' time. Yeah, performance-wise, I think that was definitely one of his uh, worst weekends because usually he's he's forgotten. He's, he's usually a forgotten entity. Like you always see the Pierre Gasly, Pierre Gasly's fifth. How the hell was he up there? But he's been he's been doing it most weekends. But this weekend, yeah, I think the car was definitely struggling because he, he didn't make that surprise appearance this week. Mm. No, absolutely, and um, you know, so hopefully better things for him in the coming weeks. It does seem though that his future. Whilst nothing has been confirmed, it does seem like he might be feeling a bit better. He mentioned that he was ha- he had a lunch meeting with Dr. Helmut Marco at the Austrian Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago. And he said he felt a lot better about his future after that meeting than he did beforehand. So it does seem that Gasly may, from what we can infer from that, um, could be staying in Formula 1 at least for next season, which would be good. I think everyone in F1 will agree Gasly needs to be in Formula 1 and uh, hopefully an opportunity will open up for him in the future. But that does sound encouraging. Of course, we'll have to wait for formal confirmation, um, but we'll have to wait and see when that one is confirmed to us. Um, Let's talk about George Russell. Interesting weekend for him. Very much the star of Friday night qualifying, which was for the sprint race. P8 in qualifying, an incredible job where Mr. Saturday becomes Mr. Friday night. I'm not going to lie. Mr. Friday night does sound pretty good um for George Russell but um the sprint race obviously did a great job finished in the top 10 uh, albeit did get a grid penalty for a collision with signs early on um unfortunately George didn't get points for his first P10 and a Williams but um today it just seemed that Williams despite their optimism with George it just didn't really have the pace to break into the exactly. top 10 this weekend you can't you can't really complain about that one. Uh, he's he's always he's always there thereabouts, even when the car's doing badly. So again, it's it's just it's just 
we we know what like how good he is. So mm. I don't think that one's open to debate anymore. But I just I do he, he's gonna have to need exceptional circumstances in order to get that point. I feel. Yeah, absolutely, and and he's on the fringes of it now. So it's almost like if something happens. Um, George will be able to take advantage of it because the last couple of races he has putting himself keeps putting himself in those positions. So hopefully for him, one opportunity will come for him and he will be able to consolidate that. But he's doing all the right things, George Russell. I think a lot of people, ourselves included, have questioned his uh, capabilities in the race. Sometimes his race starts can bog him down a little bit. Um, and that did happen to a degree today, but he recovered it well. There's a solid performance. He just didn't really have the pace, unfortunately, to get into the points. But Hopefully it will happen at some point sooner rather than later. He is doing all the right things right now. Um, Latifi finished in 14th for Williams. Okay, aided again by some retirements ahead of him, but I'd consider that a good day for Williams at home. 100%. I think they would have taken that at the uh, beginning. Well, if they arrived on the circuit on Thursday, they would have taken that result for certain. Mm, Absolutely. And uh, our usual P11, Kimi Raikkonen, uh, didn't come in. However, he was running in P11 towards the end of the race it was a collision with Sergio Perez which um uh, what did you make of that one Courtney I thought Perez turned in on Raikkonen at club corner and just didn't really give him much room um when the two of them were going together yeah again I think that was an example of our Red Bull mentality was you know given what happened earlier on it was just a little bit desperate uh, you always get those, it's always at the beginning and then at the end of the race, you get these little clumsy incidents, just randomly. You think, oh yeah, the race is coming to an end and then you get a random incident like that. Like we saw in Austria between, actually Kimmy's usually involved at some point because we saw it with um, Sebastian Vettel in Austria as well. You think the race is over and all of a sudden you see a spinner. Well, I mean, I enjoyed watching that battle between them early on in the race when they were fighting and um, for a guy like Kimi Raikkonen who clearly is only doing this for fun now, he certainly seems to be having a lot of it um, very much involved in a lot of action points and definitely finishing quite well. And again, it could have been another P11 for him today. If it wasn't for what happened with Perez, um, ultimately for Perez, he ended up, you know, well out of the order, took a pit stop just to take the fastest lap off Hamilton, which of course is worth a point for Red Bull and Max Verstappen, if you think about it. So, you know, doing his job at the very, very minimum, at the very least, it will put them in a position where if Hamilton and Mercedes win with fastest lap um, in the next race and Verstappen comes second, Verstappen will lead on countback. So that's always the positive you can take from that. Every, it seems every point is going to count. I know they don't want the sprint races to determine who's going to win the championship, but there's every da- there's every uh, reason to think that that may happen, um, given how tight this championship would well be. Um, Giovinazzi, P13. Um, can't say we saw much of Gio today. We've he's, I've got to say, I've... Other than the two Husses, and even they get their own coverage, I've not really known a driver that gets such little coverage. Perhaps him and Latifi, no one really seems to notice them. And then all of a they sudden, are. yeah. They, they, it's, it's, always, it's always them. I think even with the Hass, I think the only time I saw the Hass today was when they were being lapped. Hmm. Yeah, but then I suppose you can put that down to the Hass drivers doing what they should be doing and not really having crashes or spinning off or whatever, just finishing the race. I mean, today... 17th and 18th, this time Nikita Mazepin finishing ahead of Mick Schumacher, who was last of the confirmed runners. I know that's a surprise because nobody's paying attention, but no, that is a a little win for Nikita Mazepin. So Huss just going about their business, doing what they need to do. It it seems that unless one of them somehow gets a point, they're going to be finishing bottom of the constructor standings now, because I think they have to get a point now to beat um, George Russell's P11 um, at the uh, Austrian race. So Yep, can't complain much on their side. Had a pretty much a clean race from what we could tell and didn't really get in the way when it mattered. Um, even when people were being lapped, we didn't really see much of them anyway, but uh, that's how it goes. Um, before we round this off, Courtney, I think we should talk briefly about Hamilton's charge through the field um, after he served that 10-second time penalty in the pit stop, which I think was actually a bit more because it was like a 14.2-second pit stop. And um, the stop itself was actually quite quick. So he probably was in there a bit longer than 10 seconds before they started the stop. But that being said, obviously Hamilton came out very, very good on the hard tyres. It seemed at first Leclerc might have had this race wrapped up. But then all of a sudden, Hamilton was starting to eke out the gap to Bottas closing in and eventually got to that point where he needed Bottas to get out of his way, not just not fight him, but get out of the way all entirely. And um, I mean, we can say with the benefit of knowing what happened next, that it was the right call from Mercedes to do that. 
But um, what was going through your mind as a Mercedes fan, Courtney, uh, when Lewis was making the gap ever so smaller to Leclerc on each passing lap? Did you feel that there was a sense of inevitability that Lewis was going to catch him and then get that win? No, I, I, I personally, I thought the, um, the, the the hot hair coming from Charles Leclerc was going to, because we saw it in the first stint, you know, the moment Lewis got close to Charles, he struggled. And I thought the same thing was going to happen again. But I think Mercedes generally seem a lot stronger on the hard tyre, whereas Ferrari seem a lot weaker on the hard tyre. So that obviously that, the strength, the, the Mercedes strength and Ferrari's weakness, obviously that's why you saw such a big gap in performance. Absolutely. Um, to me, it kind of felt inevitable. I was watching the race and I was watching it with my brother and I was saying to him, I said, you know what? I just got this inevitable feeling that he's going to catch Leclerc with about a lap or two to go and Leclerc's going to have nothing for him. As I said, the only saving grace was that if Lewis had chewed up his tyres by the time he got to that Ferrari and got stuck in the turbulent air, but it was clear as day that Hamilton on the hard tyres was absolutely loving life, even when they were blistering. As he said on the radio, they were blistering. It just seemed that he had so much more speed and so much more drive. It was almost as if the British crowd were really willing him on, giving him that extra half a second a lap that, Obviously not as much as that, Nigel Mansell often said that the British crowd does give its drivers an extra tenth or two a lap. It really certainly felt like it was doing that. And then, of course, the point where he went for the move at Cops Corner, this time, of course, managing to get through past Leclerc without the over without colliding with him. Um, but I suppose it was one of those where Charles Leclerc probably, probably had in mind what happened with Verstappen and probably thought, you know what, Lewis is going to go for this. I will give him enough room. But unfortunately for Leclerc, he lost the rear halfway through the corner and uh, it really kind of ruined his chances of holding on to that win. But it was an absolutely incredible performance from Lewis Hamilton to recover that win. And, uh, and culminates, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we shouldn't, you know, it's, it's very easy, depending on what side of the fence you're on, to be disappointed by what happened. But for all ends up, it certainly was one of the best drives Lewis Hamilton has put in. Um all things considered. And uh, what it does do after he consolidated and got that win was now give us a championship that we can now really look forward to. I mean, look, Red Bull fans, Verstappen fans, I totally sympathise. I really do. They have been the best combination this season so far and they deserve to be leading the championship the way they do. But let's be honest, if Max Verstappen is going to win this world championship, let it happen at Abu Dhabi. Let's not let it happen at somewhere like Monza, when we still got about a third of the season left to go. <laughs> Spot on, Adam. Couldn't put any better myself. Mm. But, uh, you know, as I said, Courtney, I mean, I think I should let you sign this off, obviously being the resident Mercedes and Hamilton fan. I mean, what did that mean for you? Clearly not as amazing as the 300,000 British fans that were at Silverstone this weekend would probably say, but um, how significant is this for the Champions? Do you think Lewis and Mercedes can now go on a bit of a run of this, or do you feel that... Red Bull and Verstappen will take the lessons, take the pain from today, reset and just go again as they have been so brilliantly this season already. I have faith in Lewis to win this Drivers' Championship if Red Bull and Mercedes are equal. I think if Red Bull have the gap, then obviously Verstappen is, look, we know really, the, the guy's fantastic. So if Red Bull have an advantage, then obviously Max will win. But if Mercedes and Red Bull are generally equal for the rest of the season, I think Lewis has the experience and know-how to get this championship over the line. But I must say, primarily, I'm just pleased that there is a championship. I'm going to sound arrogant here, but because I've seen Lewis win so many championships, I could potentially live with Max winning this championship if we get a battle. Because we've been thirsty for a battle for so many years now. And I'm just that's the main hope for me this season, is that we get a battle. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's what we'd all agree. That's what we'd want to see. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I think when everyone's got the equal cars and everything else, of course, you know, how equal is equal in Formula One these days? It's always hard to tell. Lewis does seem to still have a slight, slight advantage. But I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's any more than a tenth of a second, if that no. much. I think that 0.75 between them in Friday qualifying was probably about right. Um, and even then, when you consider the race pace and everything else, I think Max is closing that gap every single time he gets behind the wheel. There's just so many more facets in his um, overall arsenal skill set, if you like, that 
just seems to improve more and more so in the same way that it did with Alonso when he was fighting Schumacher. I'm very much getting that sort of sensation that Hamilton is on top now, but for how much longer? Um, so it's exciting and it's brilliant for us to see. Hopefully this continues all to the end of the season. Let us know what you guys think. Of course, we will be doing an episode on Thursday. We'll be discussing the sprint race and a few of the other talking points as well that we haven't mentioned previously at this weekend's British Grand Prix with, of course, a special guest, assuming that they're still available. I certainly hope so, because it's certainly a very very high profile one indeed and of course guys in other news um we tried our hand at uh, doing a bit of a hot lap around silverstone on the new f1 2021 game if you haven't checked it out make sure to have a look because that's going to be a bit of a teaser to a new my team series which i recorded earlier this morning the footage is all edited i've just got to do a voiceover for it that will be out at some point this week as well so hopefully you enjoy that and of course if you want to see more of that sort of gameplay let us know in the comment section let us know if you're following us on your favorite podcasting platform let us know on our social medias you can see them there uh below make sure to follow us and let us know but until then guys of course thank you so much for tuning in stay safe and we will see you in the next episode of the dnf1 f1 podcast take care and enjoy your evening see you soon Podcast Network.